So thankful to be here this morning. If you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter number 1. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter number 1 just talking about our hope. Uh, Jesus is our hope. I'm so thankful for Christmas season. It's our prayer. Why, why, why do we go through the Advent season? Well, here's the reason why we do it. It's because we are bombarded <clears throat> with uh, lights and uh, movies and music. Uh, but it's all about Jesus Christ. And uh, I pray that God, uh, over the next several weeks, we really just celebrate Christmas. We celebrate Jesus this Christmas season. And as we celebrate Jesus this Christmas season, uh, this morning we're talking about He is our hope. And so I'm excited about the text today. Uh, I saw a picture, and it was a uh, a painting of a grandfather and a grandson, and perhaps you've even uh, maybe have seen this picture. There's a grandfather and a grandson, and you see them from the back, and they have on their long johns, and they're, and they're holding their tattered overalls in their hands as they're standing over uh, an ash pile, uh, still smoldering, and, and the only thing standing is a chimney of what once used to be their home. And the little boy is crying in this picture, and the grandfather is consoling his grandson, and the caption reads, Hush, little boy, God ain't dead. God ain't dead. And this morning, I just want to encourage you, because there are some people that may be here this morning, and you're looking at what used to be, and you're standing over a pile of ashes, and you're wondering, is there any hope for me? And I'm telling you, God ain't dead. And if he's not dead, there is hope for you. We have a good God. There is a cry happening across this world, from around this world. And that cry is simply, is there any hope? Why? Because <clears throat> we are faced with desperate situations. And uh, in fact, we're drowning in despair. You look around the world and we have wars and we have rumors of wars happening all around the world. We look at our own nation and in our own nation we see a political divide. We see a moral collapse. We see looting in the stores and shootings in the streets. We see protests who are uh, supporting Palestine and they're supporting uh, uh, terrorism in our own streets and we call them peaceful protests. And by the way, they're not peaceful protests when they go out into the streets and stop traffic and shut down cities. That's not peaceful. And by the way, when you're talking about this anti-Semitic moment in our nation that, that, that's manifesting itself, just understand this. It's not going to be limited just to the Jew. It's going to escalate to you and to me. To whoever calls on the name of Jesus Christ, there will be an escalation of what we see happening in this world. Y'all all right? But take heart, because Jesus is our hope. We look at homes today, and in homes today, we have homes that are marked with fussing and with fighting, and we have deadbeat daddies that just aren't there for their families, and we see uh, unbridled brides that are taking off and abandoning their children, and we see children left behind that are brokenhearted, and there's a collective cry that's just simply saying, is there any hope today? And I am grateful, again, that there is a hope. In fact, I've heard it said, there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. Today we have a hope. And let me just say, we don't hope in hope. 
All right? There is a world that hopes in hope, and that hope and hope is, ex- is dependent upon the probability of the expected. But this morning, we don't have a probability. Our hope is in a certainty because our hope is in Jesus Christ, and He never, never fails. He never lets us down. Aren't you thankful that that's who our hope is in this morning? He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. And he is always good to you and to me. So the question's got to be asked. Well, if he is our hope, why is he our hope? And that's what our text will give us this morning. Why is Jesus our hope? Matthew chapter 1, verse number 18 and following. And the Bible says it like this as we read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. and She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep. And did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until he came, uh, till he gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning I'm thankful that he is our hope. Why is he our hope? Two reasons that he is our hope this morning given to us from the text of Scripture. Number one, simply because of who Jesus is. Simply because of who Jesus is. Matthew chapter 1 is an interesting chapter. You give the first 17 verses, give the humanity of Jesus Christ. And then in verse number 18 through the end of the chapter, we have the deity. He is Emmanuel, God with us. That's who he is. Imagine Joseph for a minute. Because Joseph, when we talk about this Christmas season, oftentimes Joseph is that dude. He's got no lines. You don't read any lines about Joseph. He's just kind of that supporting cast member that's back there in the backdrop. He's kind of a shadow in the story. But nonetheless, when you're talking about this story, we're talking about a young man whose hopes have been shattered, whose dreams have been changed radically and that's how life is oftentimes we think that we have it all planned out and this is exactly what's going to happen in my life and you don't have a clue what's going to happen as soon as we end this service in fact you don't have a clue whether we make it through the service we don't know but life changes now when you're talking about joseph and mary again this story is an interesting story it's got to be understood not through our western eyes but rather through jewish eyes when you're talking about they were betrothed what is, what does that mean and when you're reading the text it's interesting because he takes her for a wife he is his wife who is she and how are they together and what's happening in this story well they were betrothed and so when you're looking at the Jewish weddings and, 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 and the way that they went down, they had a contractual stage, and that simply meant way back in the beginning, uh, uh, the bride and the groom were selected for one another, and there was a contract that was written between parents. The parents were involved in the process. Now, this morning, you would say, man, I'm grateful that I'm not them. Uh, uh, now, however, there are some that are here and been married and said, man, I wish I'd have listened. 
I wish maybe they'd have done a better job for me. There was a contractual stage in their wedding process, and then there was this betrothal stage, and it was similar to our engagement. In other words, what happened is they're taking a step further. Now, once you get into the betrothal stage, there had to be the only way to dissolve the betrothal would be through a divorce. That's the only way that that could happen. And so uh, there was this betrothal or engagement stage, and then there was the wedding. And, and their wedding was different than our weddings. It wasn't just a one simple party. It was a seven-day process. So aren't you thankful? Again, moms and dads, you don't have to pay for a seven-day process these days. They had a seven-day process. And back in the day, by the way, <clears throat> the, 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 the bride and the groom didn't consummate Hey, they didn't consummate their relationship until they were married. Why? Because virginity was a virtue back in that day and not a vice. It mattered. In fact, Scripture, when you go back to Scripture, you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, when you're talking about this whole issue, this whole idea of not... You say, why, why are you going here? Simply because this woman got pregnant. This little girl got pregnant. What happened? It's got to be a question. And they took, they took the sin of fornication, they took the sin of adultery very seriously. In fact, she could be stoned. So jo Joseph is left with saying, man, my girl that I am betrothed to, she's pregnant. So two questions have to plague him. Question number one would be simply, what do I do? It wasn't me. What do I do? do, do, do and, so, and so he says, man, I, I tell you what I, I think I'm going to do. I think I'm going to put her away secretly. I think that's what I might do. But the angel came, and aren't you grateful for that? <clears throat> what am I going to do, number one? Number two, and by the way, both of these questions are answered by the angel. <laughs> In other words, hey, God has an answer for you. If you're faced with a dilemma in life, what do I do? Which way do I go? God's got an answer. And Joseph said, man, number one, what am I going to do? Number two, who's responsible? Because there's got to be somebody out there that's responsible. I mean, this girl just didn't get pregnant on her own. Something happened. And the angel answered both of those questions, didn't he, in this text of Scripture. And it tells us again who Jesus is. Number one, how in the world did she get pregnant? Well, that which is in her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. In verse number 20, it says, In a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be uh, afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And then it goes on from there. And so we're talking about this idea of what we would call the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception. The doctrine of Immaculate Conception. In other words, Mary was a virgin when she conceived Jesus Christ. And there are some people, in fact, there's two different uh, lines of thought when you're talking about this idea of Immaculate Conception. One line of thought is simply <clears throat> that they would take and they would look at this and they would say, well, you know, uh, uh, she really wasn't, she really wasn't. In fact, she, uh, the only possibility would be that she had to have had sex with the man. Therefore, she was not a virgin. And by the way, that's really not that big of a deal. It doesn't change anything. And we're going to get there in just a minute, but absolutely, positively, it changes everything. 
If Jesus Christ were not born of a virgin, he would not be deity. If he were not deity, he would not be sinless. If he weren't sinless, you and I would be hopeless because he couldn't take away our sin on the cross. But aren't you thankful he was born of a virgin. There are others that look at Mary and say, well, she was a perpetual virgin, never had sex with anybody, to which I would say, no, she wasn't. She was a girl just like every other female sitting in this building. She was a young lady. And in fact, after Jesus was born, she did have others. The Bible says in Mark chapter number 6, verse number 3, is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And not his sisters are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. You know who he is? He is fully God and fully man. The Bible says his name is Emmanuel, conceived by the Holy Spirit, 100%. God, that'll blow your mind. It'll blow your mind that this one, this one who was born and, and, and we celebrate the crib uh, was the creator of the heavens and the earth. This little child, he created his own mother. That'll blow your mind. <laughs> I have a whacked out mind, but... Um, He's the creator of, he's the original creator of my pillow. <laughs> I'm going to make this one extra special. I'll make her extra special. I don't know that. But I do know this. He created even his own mom. We're talking about God Almighty come in the flesh. Again, he had to be born of a virgin, else he would be the seed of a man, and if he were the seed of a man, he would not be without sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 5 and in verse number 12, Therefore, just as, the, uh, as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all have sinned. In other words, when you and I were born, we were born with a sinful nature. That's just a fact. Because we were born of man. That was our seed, but his seed was of the Holy Spirit, and he was without sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and in verse number 21, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You know, Jesus Christ, again, <clears throat> was conceived by the Holy Spirit He's God Almighty. In fact, in John chapter number 8, verse number 58, said, you think you're older than Abraham? And he said, nah, let me just tell you about it. <laughs> he said, before Abraham, before Abraham, I am, I, I am. That's who he is. He is God in the flesh. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. But not only was he conceived of the Holy Spirit, he was the fulfillment of prophecy Verse number three, he was the full, uh, 23. Verse number 23 says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. He's a fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, when you're talking about this one Jesus who was born in a manger in the little town of Bethlehem that we celebrate this Christmas season, when we're talking about this Jesus, we can look back to the very 
beginning. And he was prophesied even in the beginning, all the way back to the book of Genesis. The Bible says in Genesis chapter number 3 and in verse number 15, it says it like this, And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel, or he shall crush you on the head, is another way of reading verse 15, Genesis chapter 3. Interesting way he's writing, because he says her seed, when often, most of the time, in fact, all of the time, when we talk about the seed, the offspring, the seed comes from the man and not the woman, but he's simply saying, hey, listen, this is a prophetic word, that there's going to be one coming, and he's going to be the son of God. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, this story takes place in the Garden of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden? When you're talking about the Garden of Eden back in the day and all of a sudden Adam and Eve were there in the Garden of Eden and God said you can eat freely from any tree in the, in, in the garden. But there's one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and I don't want you to take the fruit from that tree right there. And they took the fruit from the tree and they sinned against God. And it was there. Isn't it interesting when you look at the story because all of a sudden they lost the Garden of Eden in that moment and the rest of us have been plagued by sin for the rest of time. That's the reason why we live life in a broken world. We live life in a broken world today and it's broken because of sin. But God said, I want intimacy with my people. Therefore, hey, there's coming a day when I'm going to destroy the devil. I'm going to crush him, I'm going to crush him. And if he said it, you can count on it, you can bank on it, it will happen. Well, as time went on, Isaiah the prophet comes later and prophesied, said, hey, listen, it is going to happen, he is going to come. Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Jesus is, again, the fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus is the Christ. The Messiah has come. And aren't you thankful for that? Now, critics would say this. They would say, well, you can't prove that she, she, that, that, that she was a virgin when Jesus was born. To which I would say, okay. <clears throat> In fact, some would even take it a step further and say, hey, back you into a corner. <clears throat> if you had a 15-year-old girl that came to you and that 15-year-old girl said, hey, I'm pregnant, but I, uh, I'm pregnant, but I've never had sex with anybody. Would you believe it? Would you believe it? To which I would say, well, you know, <clears throat> here's what I would tell you. I would say, let's watch the life. Let's see if he's perfect, if he's sinless. Let's see if he walks on water. Let's see if he heals the sick. Let's see if he can cause the ones who can't walk to walk. If he can cause the one who can't see to see. Let's see if he can speak to the storms. Let's see if he can calm the waves. Let's see if he can feed the thousands of people. Let's see if he can take the dead and bring them back to life. Let's see if when he dies, he's raising again. Let's see if he ascends to the right hand of the Father. And if he does those things, then I would tell you absolutely, positively, unequivocally, I I would believe. I would believe. And that's the Jesus that we're talking about. He's a fulfillment of <clears throat> prophecy. And I'm grateful, again, for who he 
is, number one. But not only do we believe and have hope in him because of who he is, but also because of what he's done, because of what he's done. And this text says, hey, listen, he is coming to save his people from their sins. Verse number 21, the Bible tells us in this text of Scripture, she will bear a son, and, she, and, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. He is Jehovah God. He is the one who came and laid down his life for you and for me. And this Christmas season, here's where we have to be careful. There are a lot of people that love to celebrate Christmas and they love to talk about the crib. But listen, there was a crib because there's also a cross. He came so that he might die. This baby, it wasn't just about this baby, but it was this baby and this blood. He came to lay down his life for you and for me. And that's how much God who created you and created me loves you and desires an intimate relationship with you. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And don't ever get over this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Do you know God sent his son Jesus into this world? He didn't come in here to condemn us of our sin but to save us from our sin. That's why he came for you and for me to give you life and to give you life more abundantly in fact the bible says it in john chapter number 10 and in verse number 10 the thief comes to steal to kill and to destroy but i have come so that you might have life and have it more abundantly so when we talk about our life in jesus christ it's not just about salvation and the hereafter it's about the salvation from this time and forevermore from this day and forevermore. He's talking about an abundant life even here, even now. Life in a broken world. He is our hope. When you look at what he has done, you can't help but say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for the life that you have given me. Now this morning, this morning, listen, I know life is difficult and life you may be living life today, and it's not what you planned. Sometimes it's because of our own decisions, and other times it's just because we live life in a broken world, and sometimes it's because of the decisions that other people make, and there are consequences to those decisions. And there might be people today that are living out a life, and they say, man, in fact, when we talk about the hope of Jesus, you may be here this morning and say, you know what? I am that little boy that's standing over smoldering ashes of what used to be. And you may be here this morning and say, my marriage died. Can I tell you something? Your marriage might have died, but God's not dead. You may be here this morning and say, man, my loved one has died. God didn't die. My dreams, my plans died. God didn't die. He will rewrite a beautiful story. In fact, our God is the God that what he's able to do is he, he is able to make beauty from ashes. But you've got to trust him. 
you got to trust him. He is our hope this morning. Jesus is our hope. Would you join me for a time of prayer this morning? And as I pray this morning, I just want to ask you a question. You ever called on his name? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, you know what? I need a new beginning. Man, our God is a God of new beginnings. He's a God that brings hope into what we would call a hopeless situation. He's good. He loves you and desires intimacy with you. And this morning, if you've never called on his name, I just want to encourage you to call on his name even today. That's where it begins. It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never called on him. I'm inviting you, encouraging you to call on him. You ever been born again? You ever been saved? Time in your life when you realize, man, I am a sinner, and I know that if I died today, I would go to hell. And I got good news for you. (laughs) That today, that today, you can call on Jesus. And the Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Maybe you hear this morning, say, man, I need to call on his name for salvation. This is your time, your moment. You call on him. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and you are a brother or sister in Christ. You're saved. But man, life has been difficult. In fact, difficult would be a gross understatement for some people. And maybe you're here today and you begin to doubt. And the question, can I just remind you today, God loves you. He knows where you are. And at the end of the day, He is our hope. So keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. Trust Him for a new story, for a new plan. He's good. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this time together. And God, this morning, I'm asking if you would search our hearts and our minds. Oh, God, I pray for each and every single person in this place, whether they're here or outside. Father, listening online. God, if there be any that's never called on your name for salvation, I pray your Holy Spirit would breathe life. Because only you can do that, God. So, God, I ask if you would. Father, I pray for those this morning that are hurting. Father, I pray that today they would come to you for healing. Thank you that you never leave us, that you never forsake us, and that, God, you are our hope. You never fail. God, we love you. Have your way during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.